0: Should NBA teams rest their stars? Had the Lakers been taking this whole time? What should the Bulls do? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the be ball Breakdown Podcast. And yet again, another Monday morning, well, it will be Monday morning when you hear this, uh, solving the NBA's problems One question at a time. And we have Coach Dave Dufour with us again, as always. Dave, thanks for joining us this evening uh, slash Morning Monday.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm always excited to, to do this every week.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit confusing because we're also broadcasting this live on Periscope, and don't forget, sports fans, uh, if you want a little taste and a little nibble of our podcast, we generally will broadcast these before we release them wide on uh, on the uh, audio side. So you can always join us here and ask questions that we'll answer uh, direct from Periscope slash Twitter slash wherever. So, uh, Dave, let's get into this right away. We. Um We were talking just before we started about um, resting players and the importance of that and whether or not that's making for a a bad product in the NBA. And I thought, what what are your feelings about this?
1: So, okay, I I always understand um, player safety and the being uh, doing things in the best interest of the club. Like, I, I totally get that. But, you know, it's also a game that's meant to be entertainment for the fans, and a lot of people. I mean, these these games are not cheap to go to. They're you know, for a lot of people, they're not cheap to travel to. So I also understand that aspect of it, and I think that this is something that the league needs to really look at, and you know, if, if it means starting the season two weeks earlier, ending it two weeks later, whatever it takes, I think we have to work it out so that we don't have. At least on the road, you don't have back-to-backs. I, I think that we can get to that point, so that the Warriors aren't traveling. You know, uh, where did where were they uh, Friday? Where did they lose Friday?
0: Oh well, I, well, first of all, I mean they were in Atlanta. I know that earlier. That's in the right. Week. I mean, they had like eight games in 12 nights and something insane like that. And, you know, Steve Kerr had was quoted about that. They had, they had identified this stretch of the season way before the season started to realize that this is a real problem. And I'm not so sure any other team has sort of been forced to do this. And part of the reason why is they're so good, they're on a lot of national TV, and that's what's going to sort of get you all those games where you're going to travel a lot.
1: Right. And so, again – like the the idea is that they have they identified this early, so they knew this was going to happen. But what we need to do is avoid this situation altogether. Let's yeah. let's eliminate the road back to backs. Home back to backs are not as bad. Like we, we know that road back to backs, um, there's like a an increase. It's like a thirty seven you're thirty seven percent more likely to get injured on a road back to back. So let's get rid of that. Let like, let's re- let's really work out the schedule so that we can eliminate these road back-to-backs, mm-hmm. which is where we tend to see these the, the resting nights. Um, with the Spurs, it wasn't so much resting; it was you know Kawhi had a head injury. LaMarcus Aldridge has um, the the you know the heart issue that he has. Which, by the way, just to throw this out there. You know, hope he gets better soon. Um, Tony Parker has an injury. DeJounte Murray has an injury. Um, so for, for the Spurs, it wasn't so much a resting thing. With the Warriors, it really was about resting.
0: Right. Uh, yeah, and there wasn't, I mean, you know, it's kind of hard to figure out what you should be doing at that point, because uh, could you have rested like earlier in, in, in any of those games beforehand to kind of be ready for Wait. that? We also know they don't want to show their hand at all uh, between Pop and Kerr. Uh, and just to go over that schedule real quick, you know, they were, you know, even if it's, it's, it's as early as Sunday, they were in New York and then Monday they were in Atlanta then they came home from Atlanta all the way to home to play one game against the Celtics and then right back out to Minnesota and then the Spurs. So it's just rid- ridiculous, and we know that Adam Silver is pledging to work on that and make it better uh, at some point uh, to try and avoid that. I think they're going to try and um, I think make the season longer. Like, I mean, just have more days in the season and get rid of a couple of the uh, preseason games. And that might help. But, yeah, this is, this is one of those times. So it's really too bad. But, yeah, like you had said earlier, uh, and I've always criticized this, like when LeBron doesn't sits and whatever. It's like, you know, we talked about it before. People, you know, it is very expensive. You might have to save up all year for uh, three or four tickets to a game and the parking and the food and all that stuff. So, um, you know, it, it, it's really rough because you're going to turn off a lot of fans when they you get there and all of a sudden they realize that they're, the guy they've been waiting to see is not going to
1: play at all. Yeah. And, you know, again, I understand both sides of it. I I understand the teams wanting to rest guys. And I totally feel for the kid that, you know, like went to San Antonio from Mexico, who's a big Steph Curry fan and wanted to watch his favorite player play. Like, I I get it. Um, What I don't get are these players that used to play that say, you know what? Michael Jordan played 82 games, you know, like nine times in his career. Sorry, but. We are smarter now than we were then. We understand that, you know, playing four games in five nights leads to more injuries. And and we, you know, I would rather these guys stay healthy than play 82 games. And and so the trick is we've got to find a way to get to 82 games while being able to keep guys healthy. And, and so that's the, the balance we have to work out. Do
0: we? I mean, I'm trying to rack my brains. It doesn't feel like we had – uh, as many injuries though as a result of these tight schedules with the uh, without the private planes and all that stuff I mean, maybe we did and I'm just sort of forgetting but uh, I guess that's maybe it's a moot point The bottom line is we now know that they will get injured if they continue to play this pace And we have to stop that from happening is that That's that the idea
1: that that's the idea is that you know fatigue leads to to injuries whether it's overuse injuries or whether it's just you know, like a, a misstep because you're tired or, or whatever. And so, you know, like we've gotten so much, we, we have so much more information on the sports information, um, the, the injury prevention area of sports information. So I, I just think that we, we should really embrace it and, and try to figure out a way to make the schedule work. Uh, again, I think we need about 14 to, to 21 more days in the season to make eighty-two games work,
0: sure. You know, and that 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 should be. You know, maybe we get halfway there, get seven extra days, and that helps to some degree. And just figure out a way to avoid the back-to-backs on the road and all those different things. Um, and and you know, the, I, I would imagine, but you know, next year that'll be a little bit better, and we as we go forward, because you're right. There's nothing worse than having these injuries happen because of wear and tear, and uh, we can't see them at all for long stretches. That's really not ideal. Um, you know, now speaking of of long stretches of perhaps bad play. We, t- we were mentioning the Lakers earlier about, um, you know, it's interesting. They've been a real sort of low-key tank job the last several years in a way, just like the Sixers were doing. And rather than being overt about it, you know, they just sort of, either that or Laker fans are a little bit, um, you know, they're, they're, they don't even want to accept the reality. They, they have to keep their pick. They got into a sort of a bad deal with the Nash trade. And uh, they had a top – well, that, that protected pick continually got narrower and narrower the, the, the protection on it. So, right, like they, they, they've wanted to lose the last three seasons, right?
1: Yeah, they, they need to get that top three pick this year. Um, they, need, they need to keep that, that pick. I think it's vitally important for their development going forward. And even just as an asset, like I think it's important that they keep that pick. And so, you know, they've done a lot of things uh, – you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit maybe off the podcast, but we we, we talked quite a bit about some of the things that they've been doing that are creating struggles. You know, they're they're playing uh Brandon Ingram as a pseudo point guard. You know, trying to expand his game, it's great for development. It's not good for winning games. So it's that's that's that sneaky tanking thing. I think it's smart. Like You know, if you make a bad deal and you've got to keep that pick, they have to keep that pick. They need that pick. Um, So it's smart to do things that are still in the long term are great decisions for your team. Like putting the ball in, in Brandon Ingram's hands more now is fantastic. Let him make the mistakes when the games don't matter. Um, but it's a sneaky tank. Right. So, and yeah, I, and, we're on the same page But they could
0: have done this with Kobe last year as well. And they, I still feel like they could have given Kobe what he needed to do and let the other guys also make these mistakes. And they would have lost. They would have developed. And instead, we're kind of getting a lot of that development this year um, as opposed to having accelerated that by doing it last year. And, um, you know, it's interesting, almost a sneaky, like, power play by Jeannie Buss because she knew the brother was going to have to step down, uh, who had pledged to, if they weren't in the playoffs or in the title hunt by, like, this year, which is kind of an insane comment to make a couple seasons ago anyway. um, But, you know, you look at it that way, you know, now she's got control of everything, right? And they brought Magic in now, you know, and Jim is gone. Or Jim is not going to have a lot of power at all. And they also did a sneaky great move um, by bringing in uh, Kobe's ex-agent Rob Polinka, who, uh, you know, I, I know him a little bit. A very smart guy and certainly has the relationships you'd need to sort of put it back on. And I, I heard the press conference for a few minutes with him. And he was really kind of impressive in, a, in an interesting way with the language he was using about how they're going. Like they already have the, um, they already have the culture in place with Magic and with him and with Genie and uh and and luke you know what i mean and it's like and we it's like we will make these deals we will make this a destination where people are going to want to put the laker jersey back on again and uh i have to imagine laker fans it's exactly what they wanted to hear
1: yeah you know rob palinka is he was james harden's agent he was kobe bryant's agent so this is a guy who like i mean he was an agent to superstars now what you hope is those relationships carry over right yeah, and I think that's what they were thinking—the the Lakers' brain trust. You know, like this guy knows superstars; he deals with superstars. Um, he obviously knows the league and how it works. He's dealt with every GM in the league, so you hope that that sort of thing pans out for the Lakers long term. Um, but to me, the biggest—the biggest decision the Lakers made was was when they hired Luke Walton. Um, I think that I think the Warriors really are missing him this season. I think his his ability to relate to players is so important, and I think that that's their biggest asset going forward.
0: Oh, are you? you this is like a, a behind the scenes jab at Mike Brown.
1: No, I like Mike Brown. I think Mike Brown's a good coach. I, I just think that what Luke did is hard to quantify. I think that most teams haven't figured that out, I, and I think that the. The relationship struggles we've seen with the Warriors, you could probably point to the fact that Luke Walton's not there. I think Luke Walton brought a lot of the joy that they in that they had last season. You All know, right, let's
0: save that idea for one second about the Warriors because I want to get back to that in a minute. But I want to talk about our friends over at Blue Apron. They deliver fresh, high-quality ingredients, and trust me, they make a big difference. When my wife compliments me on making pork chops and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple, don't get me wrong, I'll take all the credit, but it's really Blue apron, simple, easy-to-follow instructions. You can customize the menu to fit your taste and schedule, and it's affordable. At less than 10 bucks per person per meal, you'll be, you'll be making savory dishes like vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips. It's the equivalent of hitting a game-winning three in the defender's face every time you fire up your stove. So, head over to BlueApron.com slash CoachNick and you'll get your first three meals free with free shipping by simply typing in that simple URL, BlueApron.com slash CoachNick. I'm telling you, this is a game changer. So now let's get back to the Lakers game against the Sixers. They were down by one with, uh, uh, like, four seconds to go on the shot clock, inbounding the ball, you know, in the last minute of the game. And, and uh, J'Angelo Russell just, like, gets the handoff out of bounds and just starts dribbling like there's, they have 25 seconds in the clock. And finally throws it up. But it was like, that's the kind of thing. And I tweeted that. I said, you know, how is that possible that out of a timeout, where you should be, everyone should know, we only have a few seconds. Here's the play, get the shot off. He doesn't do that. And then I said, oh, they, they want to keep their pick. <laughs> this is sort of what's going on. And, again, um, either even still, whatever they would have ran, it was it, unlikely that he would get the three to knock it down with very little time left anyway. Um, so it's a joke. But still, it's, I don't know if it's a joke. Like, like you know, is D'Angelo Russell that guy that just doesn't seem to understand and, like, isn't aware of things like that?
1: Well, I I mean, I think awareness comes with experience, you know, like how often has D'Angelo Russell been in the, you know, end of game, close game situation? I I think maybe it's one of those things. This is a learning experience. You know, you and I both as coaches, we've dealt with this sort of situation. We probably have practiced it, you know, in our practices. Um, But we, we know that live game and practice are totally different. And so maybe this is something that's a little bit new to him. I don't know. I haven't looked at the uh, at the statistics. I don't know how often he's been in this situation. So it may just be it's a young guy. He's 20, 21. He's kind of feeling his way out, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's possible. And OK, so. We, we've kind of covered that a little bit with, with Luke. And by the way, they're in great hands with Luke Walton, as far as I can tell. I think he's a really good coach. He's using a lot of what the Warriors ran. Uh, he's got that, like you said, that really good uh, communication vibe as a former player. Um, and he's young enough where he's not that kind of former player like Byron Scott or – why do I always forget the coach that was in Minnesota from last year? You know, uh, former Mitchell. player. Mitchell, Sam. Sam What's his name? Sam Mitchell. Anyway, he's he's definitely not of that era, and so there's not going to be this frustration with like with new young players, and uh, and that's great. Now, speaking of the Warriors and their issues, like I guess I've been under a rock. I've been traveling a little bit and busy, but what am I missing? It's going on in the Warriors' locker room that's sort of causing strife between players.
1: So I, I think that you know Steph not having the ball in his hands a lot. I think that's an issue. I, I really think that's that's a problem. I, I think that uh, when you have a guy that, that, that is that good in the pick and roll, you probably need to put him there a little bit more, particularly when you're missing Kevin Durant, who is one of the top three or four players in the league. You know, I, I think putting him in the pick and roll makes a huge difference, and I think that those guys might just be a little bit frustrated with the coaching staff and, and maybe Steve Kerr in general. I mean, you and I both, we, we talked about the fact that uh, they lost the, what game was that that they lost, where they had the crazy lineup at the oh Oh, uh, Boston. When they lost to Boston, yeah. they had this really crazy lineup at the end. Klay Thompson and Draymond Green were both on the bench when the Celtics went on a 15-0 run and to, to win the game. I, I think that that's an issue. I, I think that. Like we talked about, it could be that Steve Kerr is attempting to create a little bit of adversity, so they have to get over it now rather than in May and June. But he's risking losing the team. I really think that there is a there is a behind the scenes issue there, um, personality wise. And, and you know, you might know this more than I do, but players don't like to be jerked around. You know, they just don't like. They like their regular rotations. They they want to do similar things, you know, in similar situations. And and when you're really throwing new things at them, they don't they don't really love it, right? Um. And, and I wonder if there's a little bit of animosity there. I wonder if you know the the I, I put no stock in Andre Iguodala's comments about resting. You know the the massa comments. I, I don't think that that was a thing. I think that was Andre being Andre. Um,
0: Um, Okay. I was going to bring it up because I watched those comments too. And I, I, with a really, a raised eyebrow, uh, one my right eyebrow was raised. And so, um, you know, if, if for those of you guys didn't, who didn't see the comments, I I think one of the the of the responses was based on when they found out they weren't, didn't have practice the next day after losing. And it seemed like he was frustrated by that. Like, he's like, we need to get back in the gym. We need to work on some stuff. It seemed like that was part of it. And then he, But then he, uses, he used the, I guess you'd say, what, M-A-S-S-A-H version of Master, um, which, you know, that, that, there's, that doesn't seem like something you might want to ignore. I would imagine Steve Kerr would want to at least talk to him about, like, what that means because, you know, that's getting into some racial stuff, which in some weird way, it, it doesn't seem like that rings true with, with the culture they have there. So I don't know. It's, it was very confusing at the very least.
1: Well, So the reports I read from the people that are around the team make it seem like this is an inside joke. It was not really a real thing. Now, that, with that being said, I also think that there's a little bit of the media that is around the team that protects the team and the players. And maybe they do it for access. I don't know. But I think that could be a thing. Um, I don't think any player in the NBA is happy when they have to rest. I don't think they're – I don't think any of these guys want to sit out games. Like LeBron, no no one wants to sit out games. I think they all want to play 82. I know how these people are competitively. You know, um, I, I just don't think any of them want to sit out. And so that could be part of it. Um, and as uh, E. Brownie points out, like Steve Kerr, like there's no way anyone would ever think that Steve Kerr was doing anything that was racially motivated. Um, so that wouldn't be an issue, right? Like I, I don't think that Andre Iguodala would ever uh, express something that, that maybe made it seem like Steve Kerr was being a racist.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, so so it, it could have just been out of frustration for losing after these, you know, they've lost several games now uh, in, in a very uncharacteristic way. And it's been three long seasons of this. And so it could just be the normal uh, grind. And then you minus, you know, if Kevin Durant had been playing, they're not losing these games. And everything is hunky-dory and it's not even a problem. So uh, that's the other elephant in the room that we have to, you know, remember is that you know, that's simply it's these are solved. A lot of these issues can be solved by simply having the second best player in the league on your team healthy playing. So uh, it's a it's an interesting conundrum and uh, we'll have to find out how that's going to go. I need to take a deep dive. I've seen some of the video stuff about how Steph and Clay are shooting terribly from wide open shots. And I, I already had made the point about that. I've done the video before the early in season and noticed a lot of stuff. So I guess I can go through and see if there's anything different or if it's the same now. Um but that, that would be concerning, right? These guys generally don't go very long at all, w- not making open shots.
1: Yeah, this is one of the worst runs I've ever seen Steph and Clay go on. Um, Clay, Clay looked pretty good the other night, but uh, yeah, this is this is not good. Now let's let's tamp this you know this hype down a little bit. All players deal with this. We've just never seen these guys deal with this. So, you know, how they bounce back is important. I think that's what Steve Kerr is probably looking at. I think he's thinking long-term, you know, this is game 61, right? Like, we're worried about game 86, right? Like, we're worried about the playoffs. We're worried about games 90, 93. Uh, We we worried about how these guys are playing in, in May and June not right now. And so again, it's hard to tell because I can't read his mind and, and I haven't had a chance to sit down and ask him. I wonder if if this is sort of his plan to kind of, let's, let's make it tough now so it's not tough later.
0: Yeah. No, I, I recognize that and that's very Popovichian. And so I could see that being, you know, one of his motivations is for sure. So you know, the world may never know, or maybe we'll find out eventually, and they will somehow come out, but, uh, and we'll find out if it actually meant anything to them to, to, to go through that, and, and does it help? I mean, traditionally it has. We've seen that. But, I mean, heck, they might not have the first seed of the way this is going, and that might not really matter too much until the conference finals. But what does matter is Harry's Razors, a place to get high-quality razors to shave your face. And if you're like Dave and need to shave your dome, they've got a special razor for that too. The trial set came to my door in a cool package with shaving gel, four razors, an easy-to-hold handle, and an even cooler story about their founders, Jeff and Andy, who literally bought their own factory to make razors for 2 bucks a blade, half of what you'd pay when going through the hassle of driving to the drugstore, waiting for the dude to open up a special locked case since I guess there's a black market for stolen razor blades or something, and that's if you even remember to buy them while you're getting shampoo and soap and everything else. So head over to harrys.com slash coachnick and you'll get their trial set for free. There's a small shipping fee and you'll get a truly great shave out of it. And you'll always have that smooth shave and soft skin. That's harrys.com slash coachnick to have all of your shaving needs delivered right to your door. And you'll have a shave as smooth as a crossover step back pull up swish. The biggest issue, I think, obviously, is that the Spurs are on the verge of taking over the first place, but they, they might not have LaMarcus Aldridge. And I spoke to a surgeon earlier uh, yesterday after the news had broke, And uh, from, you know, listen, a lot of people can recover from this and they get a procedure, an ablation that will help. But the other issue, though, is that it's his third one. And that's extremely rare from what I understand. Uh, Most people who have a 95 percent success rate do it once and then it's done. This would be his third if they do it. And, uh, you know, you can't you can't mess around with this kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. You know, so I'm not a doctor. Um, I don't play one on TV. Um, but the last time he was out, he missed about 15 or 16 days and he came back and played 42 minutes. Um, that's what we should all be hoping for, right? Like, like as much as I knock LaMarcus's, uh, defensive ability, um, I want that guy to come back, be healthy and, and play, you know, 42 minutes when he comes back. But if he's not, you know, it, it could be a blessing in disguise for the Spurs. It, it could mean more Deadman in the middle. It could mean playing Powell at the four and Davis Bertans, which you know you and I both love this guy. He's got a, such a great jumper. He really stretches the floor for, for San Antonio. Um, and they're only a half game back with two more games to play against Golden State. They really do have a good shot at number one.
0: Yeah, but you you know who you know what's really going to happen now that Aldridge
1: is going to be out, right? I you know, know. They're going to they're going to start resting even more.
0: It, it, well, that, but then you know who's going to get all those minutes. It's not going to be it's not going to be Deadman, it's not going to be Bertens. It's going to be Powell. <laughs> He'll get more of those minutes and it's going to be just more and more frustrating. And listen, I I want to get this on on record somewhere like with audio because I love Powell. Powell is probably the greatest teammate ever in the NBA, without question. He's He's probably the guy that you absolutely want on your team in that locker room. He's a guy that you want on the mid post or the low post, for sure, you know, a lot of the time. But his defense has been so bad for so long, like worse than Carlos Boozer. And it's it's even worse because he's long and he he could be a good defender, and um, yet he continues to play. And uh, it's so frustrating because they can easily sacrifice the offensive stuff and place Deadman in there and just just lock down defensively with him and Kawhi and be better.
1: Yeah, I agree. Or or again, like we talked about, play Deadman at the five, play Bertans next to him, and at least you have plus shooting at three or or at the four spot, right? Like so, you have you can really stretch it out, and as uh, Ovo DQ points out on Periscope the Spurs don't really not want the number one seed. I actually agree with that. I think that that's that's very that's a very good point. I don't think they want the number one seed. I don't think they care about the number one seed. Of course, that one extra game they might get at home would would mean a little bit more money, but I just don't think they care. I don't think Pop cares. Right, Pop would be fine with being the seventh seed if it uh. meant people healthy, and ready to go.
0: I guess. I mean, he, he certainly hasn't forgotten losing game seven. It was in L.A. to the Clippers, right? It was. In, I think that was in, in Los Angeles, which was, was important. But either way, right, I don't think it's as important to pop as it normally would be. So, uh, we you know, we have a couple other questions here on Twitter. Let's go there quickly because yeah, I let's do this. liked a few. Uh, let's do it. So uh, Chris Davis asks, can the Rockets consistently finish games in the fourth? And we saw that tonight where they uh, they came back and uh, and took control of that game and won going away uh, with Beverly hitting a dagger uh, from distance. And, you know, I don't know. With the with three-point shot being so important to them and it also being so variable, especially in a playoff game, Is it? Is it can they win with that?
1: I, I think they can. I think that, you know, like when you have as many shooters as they do and when you are – Putting as much pressure on the defense as they do, I, I really think that you can win in, in the fourth quarter. I think that that is a winning formula. I think that their biggest concern is going to be can they can they kick it up a notch on defense in the playoffs when they need to. Um, you know, you you and I have been very open about the fact. Like I believe in Mike D'Antoni as a coach. Like he to me he has really um, changed the game. Right. Like the game now is the way it is because of Mike D'Antoni and his coaching, at least offensively. But I think that he's underrated as a defensive coach. He takes lesser personnel and he gets more out of them. And and I think that the key for this team is going to be to kick it up a notch and to be able to lock down once the playoffs come around. And, 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 you know, that's that's the difference between them going to the Western Conference Finals and them losing in the second round.
0: Well, true, yes. Well, and because remember, there are, there is, even in the playoffs, there is this room to sort of outscore teams. I really, I mean, sure. certainly in the first round without question, that would be a thing they could do. Their defensive rating is 15th out of 30. And, like, I'm going to go with, you know, the historical information on this one as far as no, no team out of the top 10 defensively, I think, has won a title like ever. Let's just pretend that's what it is. Something like that, right? right. And so um, – you know, can, can they find that extra gear? I mean, they have the, the components, right? Ariza is someone that could be that part of that. Uh, you know, Capella is the kind of guy that could do that. Uh, so they have some components. And then Beverly, for sure. So you have the components to play, the, you know, three out of the five right away are just like elite defensive players. So I can see that. I, actually, I can go with that. And because you know why? James Harden can be that way, too. And we, he's done it a little bit. And in fact, like I did, I did a video earlier on Twitter and here's another interesting question we, we can explore. So he, he cuts off Kyrie two times and does a really nice job. But then right at the end, Kyrie gets by him and he kind of lets him go because he already had a foul. And it was early. It was, in the, it was toward the end of the first quarter, but there was still about four minutes left in the first. So he didn't want to get a second foul. and had to come out. I get it. Um, but he did play good defense before that. And the other reaction I kind of – maybe you can help me explore is is I got a reaction like, oh, where's Russ's, you know, video about how he had a foul and, and that's why he couldn't take it and that's why he got beat. And I don't understand how – like everything possible about Harden that I ever uh, tweet about, there's always a, at least one response about Russ. And I don't understand why they, that they has to be so linked, like why it's not fair that I don't mention Russ even though he's not playing tonight. I don't get it.
1: Well, all right. So, Coach, I don't know if you know this, but you're a Russ hater. And, and so, once you've been once you've been branded a Russ hater, anytime you say anything about anyone, Russ is coming up. I, I dealt with this uh, a little bit, not to the extreme that you've had to deal with it, but um, I know I know how you really feel about Russ because you and I talk about Russ a lot because Russ is a good player and good players. You and I talk about Russ all the time. But what happens is I think we point out the bad stuff about Russ publicly a little bit too much and we don't praise the good stuff. Like the fact that when Russ is out there on the court, you have to deal with Russ 36 minutes a night. You were dealing with Russ 82 games a year. You were dealing with Russ. And I think that this is why Russ keeps coming up.
0: Okay. Uh, Fair enough. I mean, I I guess I, I, yeah. Okay. I I can follow that. I mean, it seemed a little bit weird, but um, you know, and there's also a sensitivity or, or an oversensitivity, right? Like lack of praise, you know, you know is, is, is almost as bad as like being yelled at, I suppose, as well. And in fact, we probably both had players like this, right, who like just they just need the praise. They're not they're not getting it from other places. And so, you know, it's not enough to be like, uh, you know, just do your job and play. And, you know, when something really good happens, we'll let you know that they just need it all the time. And so um, this seems to be what Russ is like, at least with me. Whatever, and, okay, I, I get it. And, and and you're right. I guess I am a hater. Like, I just don't enjoy watching him play. I really don't. It's really frustrating to me because I want to enjoy watching him play. And I do get impressed by the uh, amazing and breathtaking, um, you know, um, displays of athletic ability. But you know, watching Harden play is much more just pleasing to me I, I, I you know that's how well, i don't know how so to say
1: it this is what it is it, it is harden is such a dynamic playmaker as far as uh setting up his teammates and and russ really is fantastic at setting himself up and then the teammate like setting up his teammates is so secondary so as a coach like we're naturally inclined to the guy that Is better at setting up his teammates as a primary option. Yeah, like when Russ drives or or when Harden drives, oftentimes I don't think he's trying to drive to the hoop. I think he's trying to drive to draw the defense. And with with Russ is a little bit different, right? Like it, like, and part of this is because Russ is such a more dynamic athlete that Russ can finish some things that that James Harden can't. So you know, it's our bias, I think and I'll admit fully that I'm biased toward Harden, you know, in comparison to to Russell Westbrook, but it's because I I like the fact that Harden is able to set his teammates up in a better way.
0: Right. Yeah, you're right. It's it's just it's just it just feels a little bit more like how the game should be played, and uh, and we talked about this in the last uh, pod as well about, you know, if he's playing under the uh, mindset that like the the other Thunder teammates are just so bad that they can't score, I, can't, I shouldn't even bother throwing it to them. Well, then that's that's a problem too, and it's that shouldn't be the way he plays no matter what. I just feel like that you know that's just a recipe that's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. So. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting conundrum, but I, okay, I, I'm getting close to understanding what's happening here. And there's something you guys should understand as well. March Madness is upon us. And our friends over at mybookie.ag is the place to go to to place your bets on the NCAA tournament. I've done this before, and it truly adds a whole other level of excitement to every single game. There's no hassle when you win. MyBookie pays out fast with in-game live betting so you can place a bet after tip-off. Join now, and I'll get them to match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. If you deposit $100, you'll get an extra $50 to play with. So go to MyBookie.ag or call them at 844-900-BETS. And use my code BREAKDOWN and get in on all the March Madness insanity. Uh, let's have another question. So we have a Miko Mindanao on uh, Twitter asks, Hey, Coach, thoughts about Zubac? Per minute production is solid, but Luke, yet to unleash him. Is it conditioning or matchup? Um, I've watched Zubac. I really like how he plays. And I feel like we've already talked about him a little bit in the pod, right?
1: Yeah, we've talked about Zubac quite a bit.
0: So... You know, well, you know, the quick answer is yeah, he should be getting a lot more run. Unclear why he's not. Great touch around the basket. He can defend the rim a little bit too. He's eager. He really wants to play, which is great to see from a young kid. Uh, he'll be great. Uh, just a question of his patience. You know, maybe they don't want him to play because, again, they're tanking and they want that thing and they're worried that he doesn't get the message. It's not translated yet. <laughs> and so he'll just keep playing and
1: keep him in games. Well, but also remember, we, we're in Operation Secret Tank. You don't want to play. You don't want to play players that can play if you're trying to tank. Right.
0: That's true. And that's probably what's, why, what's happening.
1: Yeah. This is why Luol Deng keeps getting minutes. Right.
0: Oh yeah. The 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 Luol Deng conundrum. Um, yeah. That is true. Uh, which is unfortunate, but true. And also, again, it kind of holds back Ingram. Uh, are, are you still sold that maybe Ingram is going to be the guy the, the star that they've been looking for?
1: I. You know. I want him to be. Um, He's got he's got the right uh, the 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 things that you can measure, right? He's got the measurables. Um, You know, he's got really long arms. He's tall. He's you know he's got good balance. Got a great jump shot. All that stuff, right? Um, So you hope he he comes around. I, I look, we you and I have been on record. I want every guy to be like LeBron. You know, like I hope that that he can become a Durant type of player. Um, have I seen it this year? No. Have I seen flashes? Sure, absolutely. I, I've seen some things there that I think that with a little bit of time, uh, he could definitely develop into into being a top 25 player. Do I think it's likely? I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's likely that any of these guys become top 25 players.
0: Yikes. Well, okay, that's interesting. So you know, but then again, if they get the top three pick this year, it could very well be that might be the guy they get um, again. And again, I'm not even sure, having gone through like Ball and Fultz and a little bit of Josh Jackson, I'm not so sure either any of those guys are going to be like a LeBron um, or whoever else, even like a Porzingis. Maybe uh, Zion so-
1: Williamson is the next LeBron. Like, like, let's just go ahead and throw that out. Who like is- Zion Williamson? He's going to be the number one pick in 2019. Ah, yeah. I mean, I saw him at Adidas Nations. You were there, but I don't think you got to see the real, like, full breadth of what he does. Like, he is a a man amongst boys right now. Um, it, it, for every anyone listening, like, just Google the mixtape. It, it really is scary what he's able to do. And um, like, that's probably the next guy that that has that sort of potential.
0: Okay, well, we'll have to. What, uh, is he, I guess, what what grade is he in now, then? What is he's a junior. Junior okay. in high school. Um, and what position does he play right now?
1: So, I imagine, I, I don't know. I guess he's like a 3 or a 4. He's like 6'5", 240.
0: <laughs> As a junior in high school, huh? Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: That's insane. Yeah. Um, well, let's move on with another question from uh, I grabbed from Periscopes. Every once in a while you can grab it just before it goes and copy and paste. So what I have from DJ Hill is a question. What should the Bulls do? And, again, the Hoiberg the watch has been on for a long time. And I keep thinking, you know, they've had some really bad losses recently. And they had another one uh, just the other day, which was with Wade played, and they still lost. Um, it's a, it, I don't know. I mean, they, they don't do anything. They're, they're probably not going to make the playoffs, right?
1: Yeah, I think they're going to miss the playoffs. I think that they're going to double down. Um, I I imagine Hoiberg's gone, but, like, who – I don't know. I don't know who they get to coach this team. Um, Wade's there again next year. Rondo will be gone. Um, Yeah, things are are really weird in Chicago.
0: Yeah. I don't don't know what they're going to do. Six of seven, and, you know, they lost at Detroit. uh, It wasn't close. They lost at Orlando. And that was, you know, a little bit closer. And then uh, Houston and then Boston. So, yeah, they're, they're not competing against and the teams, any Any better team than them, they're not competing. And now they're losing to the game, the teams that are worse than them as well. So, um, again, when they brought Hoiberg in, not making the playoffs was easily the worst case scenario last year. And, again, not making the playoffs this year is even worse fiasco. So, I, I you know I, 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 I just think that they're going to probably get rid of the coach. They're going to get rid of Rondo, um, and you know see what they can do in the off season. But again, um, you know Wade was a was a was a stupid thing that they did. They should not have pursued it. Um, you know and they probably shouldn't have pursued Rondo either. But uh, you know it, it's a really problem with it. With you know a real problem. And maybe you know again, will Garpacks get out of there too? Maybe they clean out no. away way and, and do do no. it. It's possible.
1: I, I don't think there's any chance that Gar Pax is gone. I, I, I really think that they have kind of protected themselves and really put this on Hoiberg. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's a shame. Uh, I, I don't know that these guys know how to put together an NBA team. Um, you know, they, they really they're wasting Jimmy Butler's prime by pairing him with guys like Rondo and Dwayne Wade. And not that Dwayne Wade is a bad player. Dwayne Wade has been good this year, but he just didn't fit their team. Right. You know, um, and, and you know, I, I think that things are just gonna continue to be weird in Chicago until they eventually will trade Jimmy Butler for, you know, pennies on the dollar and, you know, then they get to rebuild. They'll they'll have they'll be in the lottery.
0: Yeah. That, that sounds about right. And, you know, it's, it's too bad it didn't have to be that way. And, and um, we'll have to find out. you know. But, again, not, not a lot of great decisions going on over there. And so I wouldn't be looking too um, happy uh, in Chicago for several seasons at the way it's going. We have another one from Henry Sadi who asks, well, people better watch out for the Clippers. That was, so it wasn't a question. It was actually a statement. So I grabbed that because I thought, oh, that's interesting. I think most people are writing the Clippers off. Uh, Yet they're still hovering in that fifth spot and they're, you know, they they could get the fourth spot too. It's like they, they are pretty much, you know, look like guaranteed either fourth or fifth. So what do you make of what's going on over there?
1: Well, you know, we talked about this a little bit on the, on the last pod. Um, You know, I I think that their struggles are a lot about refining their way after, after, you know, two of their best players have been out, right? Like, you know, they, they missed significant time. Blake missed significant time. CP3 missed significant time. It, it was just kind of, I, th- I think they're feeling their way out. But in year five of this, right? Are we in year five of the Clipper experiment with with Doc Rivers? Five or four?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, I, it's, it's year it, five. It's been a while. Right. Well, it's we can look while. at it from the CP3. Uh, but CP3 got there before. he had. I
1: think he had Vinny for one year, right? Right so so it's, it's, it's year four right so it, it just I, I wonder and like you said the other day it, it, this may just not be the right team right like I mean potentially they they may they could lose CP3 and Blake this summer they're both unrestricted free agents um they, they've lacked wing depth the entire time which in this league if you don't have a, a good wing, Right? You need at least one good defensive and offensive wing. Um, you're not going anywhere, and they've lacked that the entire time. Uh, Blake Griffin's game has not really evolved. Um, his footwork is horrific, and as his uh, um, athleticism has waned, he hasn't really done much to make up for it by improving footwork, spacing, hitting threes, all that kind of stuff. So I think that that's a real concern, right? Like, you know, here's the here's the real question: Do you think that that Doc Rivers is going to max out Blake Griffin this summer?
0: Oh yeah, I probably I probably and you know yeah I think he will. Don't
1: you? Okay. Second part of the question: Do you think he deserves a max?
0: Okay. Uh, again, no, but. The market dictates that no matter what he really deserves or is worth, right? He is worth what He's worth what he's worth. Someone's going to end up paying him that, right? I think if he doesn't sign with the Clippers, although that said, if I was any other GM, there'd be no way in hell I'd pay the max for him. No way. And uh, even though he's exciting, he, he draws crowds, he, he doesn't dunk like he used to, so that's not going to be as much of a highlight anymore for him. Um, you're right. So he's, he's one of those guys that can put up numbers, but ultimately there's something missing. And uh, without question, the experiment is, should be over. I think the, the experiment with Doc and Deandre, uh, DeAndre and Blake and Chris Paul is over. It should be over because they're not going to win the championship this year. And it's you're right. It's been they've given it the old college try. It's it should be over. And I would love to see Blake in a different role somewhere else and see that you know can get something going with him somewhere else. But um, yeah, he's not worth the max.
1: Agree. Uh- I'm I'm with you on that, and, and so again, he might be worth the max to like Oklahoma City, or he might be worth the max to another team, maybe maybe the Knicks, but he's not worth the max to the Clippers, and and, and a lot of that is because of the the dynamic of uh, DeAndre Jordan and Chris Paul. Now, would you rather play play or pay Chris Paul for five years? the next five years, or would you pay, rather pay right. Blake Griffin right. for the next five years?
0: I, I would definitely rather pay Chris Paul for the next five years. Uh, the other question is, okay, he's gone. Well, then what do the Clippers have? Okay, they have Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan uh, and 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 J.J. Redick, I think, right? Let's see. They'll, they'll keep him. Um, you know, who will they do they, they sign they keep, somebody else,
1: huh? Will they keep him? See, that's the, that's the concern, right? Like they, they're going to lose too many guys this summer. And I think that this is where they probably should have started blowing this team up at the trade deadline. You know, you probably get more for Blake then than you would if you re-signed him and try to trade him next season.
0: Okay. Um yes, makes sense to me. Yeah, it's a, it's a real troubling thing. Then that the other question now is, can Doc Rivers get himself out of the predicament he's in? And I don't know if we have a lot of, uh, you know, evidence for that in the past of, oh, here's a guy who really knows how to do these things and manage these things. And that's a real problem, too. So uh, I, I don't think Doc is gone, do you?
1: I don't imagine so. I mean, I think, you know, the <laughs> the president, GM, head coach guy is pretty protected Um it hasn't really been that long. I, I wonder if he needs to consider stepping down as a coach, though, right. and just focusing on being a GM. I have no doubt that Doc Rivers can identify talent, but I just wonder if, as a coach, you're too connected to the player. And, and I say this for everyone. You know, Stan Van Gundy, um, Tom Thibodeau. The only guy who's proven to be able to do it is Greg Popovich, but Greg Popovich – has RC Buford, who you know, like, that's a totally unique situation. Yeah. So I wonder if if it's a thing where where Doc Rivers needs to decide: is he a coach or is he a GM?
0: Right. Uh, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, uh, he'll have to I, I get, I think the, the point with the doc losing either one of those jobs, it's going to have to be a voluntary. I'm going to step down. I, I think it's what it, what it would have to happen. And, and I don't know if that would ever happen. And then Utah jazzy, jazzy man asks, would the jazz be contenders if they signed Blake as we wrap this up? Um, you know, I, I don't know. Does Blake do
1: anything for them? I think Blake would not fit with them. Yeah. Um, I really like Trey Lyles. Uh, I like favors over Blake with that team. Um, I, I think they should move on for favors. But if your choice is favors or, or Blake Griffin, I would rather have favors. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: favors, I, I guess, it's, like, it's, it's similar. Like, you know, you'll probably get a similar production in that system from either one. But I, I suspect favors will just be infinitely cheaper if, for one thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think he gives you at least – 75 to 85% of what Blake does.
0: Yeah, and he might be, you know, because I don't think Blake gives you much at all on defense at all. And I do feel like favors can give you something more there, and that's always going to be a, a, an interesting thing. But they'll have their work cut out for us. And, you know, speaking of the work cut out for us, I mean, I think we're kind of getting to the end of our podcast today.
1: Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I need to go shave my – I've been on vacation. I need to go shave my head with some Harry's razors.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh,
1: you know, I had a Blue Apron dinner earlier tonight, so, you know.
0: Yeah. You know, they have a special razor for the head on Harry's. I hope you got that one.
1: I, I'm i going to use it tonight. Oh, awesome.
0: Good. Because, yeah, they, they explain a lot of things. And I actually went on the line, uh, went out to talk to them directly because I wanted to make sure how often I should be changing the razors because it's like, does it once and then you get rid of it? turns out that the average person, it's usually, you know, it doesn't matter for one or the other, but, you know, six to eight shades before you change the razor, which is, I, I didn't know that. I'm, you know, That's, impressive. That's impressive.
1: That's impressive.
0: Yeah, it is. So um, you yeah. know, don't forget, and thank you for integrating our our sponsors to the, to the podcast. So
1: I'm all about the synergy there. You know, don't forget, uh, code is uh, Coach Nick.
0: Yeah, that's right. So don't forget to check them out, and always check us out in here. Thanks for joining us on Periscope tonight. And if you have any questions more, just hit us up on Twitter. We'll get you there uh, at some point in the next several hours while we're still up. So thanks for joining us, everybody, for our latest podcast. And don't forget, sports fans at bball Breakdown. We're not a channel, we're a conversation. you win? Are you win, Dave?
1: Absolutely.